before Christmas. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the way that God uses uh, little people, and by little people we mean people we would think would be unimportant, uh, people of uh, no renown, people that the world looks at and maybe, uh, maybe don't even see uh, because they are insignificant in, in the world's eyes. Uh, Luke chapter 2, let's uh, begin reading just the first uh, seven verses. We're going to look at several passages of scripture. Some you'll be able to turn to, some you might not, um, but we'll begin here in Luke. Uh, read verses uh, 1 to 7. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I was listening to Chuck Swindoll on, on the radio and, and talking about this uh, Caesar Augustus and his declaration for the, for the tax. And uh, <laughs> Chuck Swindoll, Swindoll described him as, as a piece of lint on the pages of history. Um, I just thought that was quite apropos um, that he's wanting to, uh, you know, take a census so he can get more money we think oh it's his fault that they had to travel so far no this was all by God's design Caesar was not near as important as he thought he was all right verse 2 and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed everyone into his own city and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, if you know the culture, verse 5 shows a lot of, uh, a lot of contradiction. They were espoused, uh, yet she was great with child. Those two things are usually a contradiction. Look at verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we are going to look at Mary, we're going to look at Joseph, we're going to look at the shepherds. Because God uses what we would call little, unimportant, or, or maybe even invisible people to do his work. Now, it's interesting, I think, how God chose in, in telling the greatest story the world has ever known in a series of very uh, small uh, things, uh, little incidences, uh, insignificant people and places uh, to give us the story of Christ's coming into the world. I mean, you could not read the account of Luke without being impressed with the fact that there's nothing really here that, that the world, that mankind would call bigness. You think, first of all, with Mary. Uh, see, one of the elite was not chosen to carry the baby in her womb. Uh, it wasn't a fashionable, wealthy, or learned lady of Nazareth or even Israel that was chosen to carry the Christ child in her womb. Uh, it was given to simple Mary, a poor girl from Nazareth, to do so. And when you think about her selection among all the godly Jewish virgins, and, and virginity was much more common back then than it is today, by the way. Um, you know, of all the Jewish virgins of that time, why did God select this, this humble peasant, this, this young woman by the name of Mary? Uh, her, her choice by God shows us that, that God is interested in what the world calls unimportant. 
God is interested in minor people, little people. When God knew that the time was come, he sent forth his son uh, at the right time in the right place with the right person. Galatians 4.4 says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Why did he choose Mary to be the mother of the incarnate son? This gentle, lowly Mary of Nazareth, uh, she was the father's choice, God the father's choice to be the mother of his beloved son, and that, that she herself was overwhelmed at God's condescending grace in choosing her is evident from, from, from her own song of praise in which she magnified God the Father for regarding her own lowly estate. In Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 48, it says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowly estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Mary then was selected by divine wisdom from among the humblest, and, and, and it was in this kind of environment that, 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 that God the Father prepared his son to labor among the very common people that would hear him with, with, with gladness. Over in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 38, we see how submissive Mary was to this. It says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And Mary's thinking, maybe at this point, but I'm just a little girl. But verse 33 goes on, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, uh, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and uh, this is uh, the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible, just like God did with Abraham and Sarah. Now Elizabeth, well past child-bearing years, is going to bear uh, John the Baptist, a cousin of, 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 of Jesus. And, and John the Baptist, when still in Elizabeth's womb, when Mary comes to talk to Elizabeth, John the Baptist is going to get kind of excited in the womb to be that close to God the Son in Mary's womb. It's just amazing. That just boggles my mind. All right. Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now that's an amazing annunciation, right? But Mary says, Okay, God, if that's what you want, it's good. Now, now she, she was not skeptical, but, but she did ask, she certainly asked some intelligent questions as to how this could happen, seeing that, that she had not been with the man, she was still virgin. And, and, and following the full explanation of how the miracle would happen, she, with a tremendous 
feet of faith replied, be it according to thy word. Says, Lord, how can this take place? The angel tells her and says, okay, God, I'm good with that. Be it according to thy word. If that's what you want to have happen, okay. And here we see Mary as just this little insignificant person. Uh, but, but we know how God used her. Listen, we, we, we can have assurance in knowing that God can and God will use any of us at any time if we are only willing and submissive to him. You've heard it said. It's a cliche. I don't really like cliches, but cliches are cliches because they work, right? Because we use them. The greatest ability is what? Availability. Yeah, it's a cliche, but it's true, all right? Mary was selected specially by God. She was submissive to the word of the Lord. God used her, this seemingly unimportant person. And yet this story of Christmas is full of people that would normally go unnoticed. Now let's take a Joseph. Joseph the carpenter. It's probably a little more accurate to say he was a stone cutter. Uh, worked more with stone than he would have wood. But, but Joseph was little. He was invisible. Uh, he was not a man of renown. He did not have a lot of money. Yet God used him to bring us his son. None of the wealthy men, the big men, the learned men, none of the profound men were chosen to be the earthly father of Jesus. None of these men were chosen to head the home in which the Christ child would be raised. That was left to this humble man by the name of Joseph, uh, who, was, who, was, who was just, I mean, the man was a blue-collar worker. He made his living with his hands. Listen to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, uh, then Joseph, her husband, uh, being a just man and not willing to put her, make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He had the right to have her stoned in public, but he was a just man. All right? Verse 20 says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. He says, all right, now you've got my attention. I ought not take her as my wife, but why do you think I should? He goes on, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Verse 24 says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And what we notice, first of all, is that Joseph was, was her husband. They were betrothed. In that culture, they were as good as married, though they had not come together physically. He was a man like any man, and he was in love with a woman. That's good for men. All right. Scripture says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. He had plans for his family. 
He had goals and ambitions, but God had other plans. Now, he loved Mary very much. He didn't want to hurt Mary and her family. He, he knew what his rights were, but he laid his rights aside. He was a just man. I mean, he was, he was, he was brave enough. He was, he was man enough to do the right thing regardless of the consequences to him. I can't even conceive of his initial disappointment. Can you think of, of some of the thoughts that might have gone through his head? But, but, but he was willing to take the hit to protect Mary. He was willing to take the hit to suffer the public humiliation in order to protect Mary and her family. We see that Joseph was a considerate man. In his pain, he put his betrothed first. In his pain, he put his God first. See, he, he was a real man, a man's man, in that he laid aside his rights. He laid aside his desires. And it is because he was an instructed man. He went into this knowing, not, not everything, of course, because the angel hadn't told him everything, but he went in realizing enough that, 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 that God was one to be listened to. God was one to be obeyed. See, the Lord wants faith, but he does not want blind faith. He wants instructed faith. He wants evidential faith. We, we believe for some very specific reasons. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. So, so God is speaking to him, and he accepted that dream as from God, that God said it was enough for him to lay aside the apprehension. And he accepts Mary as his wife. He accepts the child as from God. And we see that he was an obedient man. Verse 24 and 25 says that when he was raised up from, from sleep, he, he did. He did as instructed. He did what he was told. He did what the angel instructed him to do because he knew the angel spoke for God. He took Mary to be his wife, even though the social stigma would have been intense. The shame would have been overpowering, even though he could not be with her for some time. No, no honeymoon after that wedding. He had self-control. Realized that he did not consummate his own marriage until after Jesus was born. Joseph was a man of amazing character. I can't imagine his disappointment, his apprehension at first, but how strong a man Joseph would have had to have been. But see, he was, he was privileged. He was chosen by God. Because it says in verse 25, and he shall call his name Jesus. That means Joseph shall call his name Jesus. This little insignificant uh, stone cutter from 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 Nazareth uh, here we see Joseph as 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 this poor man engaged to marry this poor girl and God allows them to be the nuclear family the family unit for his own son Joseph was so privileged that I mean what 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 did God allow him to do? He was, he was the one that got to name the Christ child. That's the father's responsibility to name the children. And the name that Mary was told, the name that Joseph was told, Joseph got to name his stepson. 
Think for a moment of this man that went down in biblical history and in practical obscurity. His death isn't even recorded. We have no idea scripturally what happened to him. But when Jesus was to go to Egypt to preserve his life, the angel talked to Joseph, not to Jesus, and not to Mary. When it was time to return to Israel, the angel talked to Joseph, not to Mary, not to Jesus. This little insignificant man comes apparently from nowhere and goes right back into nowhere again. But in that short span of time, here he proves to be a man of love and a man of character and devotion and restraint. He was a man of God. And the Lord used him. See, God will use little, minor insignificant people if they are willing and submissive then we come to these shepherds now we know from what we've heard before these shepherds are managing the flocks uh, for the temple sacrifice that's why they uh, are, 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 are birthed and they're wrapped in swaddling clothes these little lambs are laid in the manger to protect them so they remain without spot or blemish uh, so we know that these shepherds are watching the lambs that will be sacrificed for God and they're going to hear about the birth of the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world we know this now but Luke chapter 2 verses 8 starts in verse 8 and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night because that's what shepherds did they watched they protected their flocks and lo the angel of the lord came unto them and the glory of the lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid you're not kidding anytime in scripture you see an actual real appearance of 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 an angel of god or god himself it scared people to death anytime somebody says well the lord appeared to me and they're not white as a sheet they're not shaking in their boots no sorry it wasn't god because when god almighty appears to you when one of his angels appears to you you are sore afraid all right that's extra where was i verse 10 and the angel said unto him fear not absolutely yeah Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Now this sign was, was for them. All right? They were shepherds. They, they did this. They wrapped their lambs in swaddling clothes. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. That's just what they did to the little sheep to protect them. All right? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, can you imagine that conversation? When they finally picked their chins up off the pasture. Let us go even now unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. What, what the the real thing. All the other little lambs for all the centuries had just been metaphors. They had been pictures. They had been types. 
But now they see this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That is the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And those shepherds got to see him. The announcement was made to them, almost saying, guys, you're kind of out of a job, but you need to see this. See, there, there were many big men. There were many wealthy men in Israel at this time. There were scholars of the most profound sort. There were various levels of learning in the greatest universities. There were many who were fasting and praying and waiting for the Messiah to come, yet it was not to them that these angels appeared. Their ears didn't hear glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. They didn't get to hear that. God in his wisdom did not choose to send the angels to sing the message to those who were in the city. He chose that the greatest news that the world had ever heard was heard by simple shepherds, simple men, small men, insignificant men. The great men were passed by. The God said, you know, these shepherds taking care of these temple lambs, they're going to want to hear this. And they did. Now, they were already busy when, 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 when God told them they were watching their flocks, doing what shepherds do. God usually finds those already busy doing something when, when something else needs to be done. They were considered kind of marginal in, in, in Jewish society, not, not, not completely rejected because they had an important job, but, but they, you know, they smelled like sheep. You know, I mean, you hang around with sheep, you start smelling like sheep. But they, but they were, they were marginally educated. They, they, they listened and knew the scriptures. They, they went to see the birth, and then they left and told people what they had seen. See, God uses people like this, people that the world is, 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 is calling insignificant, unimportant. They're invisible people, but God uses them to spread his word. He uses, he uses people that the world would reject. And it always seems to be this way in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. One of the most encouraging things in the word of God is that he uses people just like us. He uses little people to do big things. So be encouraged if you see yourself as a minor person, someone who is unimportant, someone that, that the world would look over as they look for somebody important. If that's you, be encouraged because God uses people just like us. Think of who killed Goliath. Well, it was David. David was so low on the family totem pole that, that when the prophet told Jesse to bring all, all his sons in, Jesse didn't even bother with David. All right? he, was, he, he was so far out there. 
Yet God used him to kill Goliath. Who defeated the Midianites using only 300 men? It wasn't somebody from a university. It wasn't a man from the West Point of the day. It was little Gideon who was, who was, who, who was called while he was hiding from the enemy behind a wine press threshing wheat because if he was caught, then they would take his wheat and probably take his life too. He was the runt kid of a runt family from the runt tribe of a runt nation. Yet God used him to to lead this army and put to flight thousands of God's enemies. Who sent Naaman to Elisha to get healed of his leprosy, this Syrian general? It wasn't some fashionable friend. It wasn't somebody that, that, you know, the world would delight in. It wasn't this educated person. It wasn't somebody well-versed. It wasn't a friend of the family. No, it was the little Jewish slave girl of the household who said, you know, if you could get to Elisha, he could take care of this for you. See, all of, all of the Christmas story, all of Scripture reminds us that God uses unimportant people. God uses them. To do big things. I mean, who, who gave the food to feed the 5,000 men plus women and children, right? I mean, there wasn't a restaurant that catered the feeding of the multitudes. It, it, it was, wasn't the outstanding caterer of the day or, 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 or the celebrity chef, you know, bam. Yeah, it wasn't that. It was this little boy with a lunch, five loaves and two fishes. We think of a loaf as a loaf of bread. No, you think of a bagel bite, right? Just biscuits. And a couple of fish. All right, that's, that's who God used. Who carried the gospel from Jerusalem all around Asia and then to Europe and turned the world upside down for God? It wasn't a man of wealth. It wasn't a man of fame. No, it was little Paul who was small in physique and had really bad eyes. God uses people that the world calls unimportant. Who was it that saw the resurrected Christ in his glory on Easter morning? Who saw him first? It wasn't some queen or king. Some princess in beautiful garments out for a morning stroll. No, it was a woman, which in that culture was was odd. But she was a professional woman. Um, Matter of fact, she was a professional woman who was once possessed with seven demons at one time, Mary Magdalene. Who was it that was chosen as an object lesson of the greatness of Jesus? It wasn't a king from the palace. It wasn't a captain of the army. It wasn't some statesman. It wasn't some wealthy businessman from the city. No, when Jesus wanted to show the greatness of all, he took a little child and put the child in the midst of them and says, here is the greatest. When he decided to name the greatest, what did he name? He didn't name a king. He didn't name a businessman or a rich man or a wealthy man or a great, great politician. No, he said the servant. The servant is the greatest of all. God does things opposite of the way we do. We think it's backwards or or upside down. We fail to understand that we are the ones that are backwards and we are the ones that are upside down. See, God wants to use us, but you say, well, preacher, but I'm, I'm the one in my family, the whole family says I'm the least likely to succeed. Well, well, so was David. 
But, but you might say, well, well, I can't even talk very well. Well, neither could Moses. He stuttered. God, he, he gave God such a hard time about him going that God finally gave in and said, fine, get Aaron, your brother, and let him talk for you. Okay? You whisper in his ear and let him talk. But if you go back and read over that, Moses did an awful lot of talking on his own once God really got a hold of him, right? Say, so, well, but, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm small. I'm insignificant. Yeah, so is Paul. But I'm not, I'm not well. I'm not, I'm not healthy. Well, neither was Timothy. See, when God wanted to shake our nation, he uses, used a guy named the Crazy D.L. Moody. He used a guy named Billy Sunday who threw away his baseball career in alcohol, put away his spikes, ended up going to Pacific Garden Mission, stumbled in a drunken bum, but came out a transformed child of God. And see, God, God is looking for those in the world that, that, that the world would call insignificant, that the world would call minor, unimportant. Uh, all he wants is for them to be willing to be used because that's the kind of people God uses. What the world would reject, that's what God magnifies. That's what he lifts up. Sometimes he uses people without much training. Sometimes he uses people without much talent. But that way, you see, he, he gets the glory for what happens then. And, and, and this is what happened in our Christmas story. God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. God allowed Joseph to be the earthly father of his own son. And he sent the messengers of the birth to lowly shepherds because God uses greatly those that the world rejects. What they have in common, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, were that they were all submissive to the word of God. They allowed themselves to be used. And that is all it took to be used of God in the greatest plan for all eternity is submission to his plan. Now this Christmas, why don't, uh, why don't you give the Lord the gift of you? Now, I know... Um, I know you're not much, but neither am I. And we're exactly where God wants us. I don't have anything to offer God. That's perfect, because he didn't want anything but you. All right? He wants to use you, but he needs you to get out of the way of you so that he can use you. Offer yourself to him. Submit to him. And God will use you. God will use little, insignificant, people of no renown, but are willing and submissive. That's the formula to be used of God. Not that you will ever become anything great, but that God will do great things. And he will use you. You will be obedient. And he will get the glory as it should be. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the examples of the people that you use to uh, facilitate, uh, for lack of a better word, the, the incarnating of your son. Lord, we thank you that, that you are an almighty God, that you need nothing, but you choose in your wisdom to use people that are frail and insignificant that really have nothing of value to offer you but thank you that lord if we are willing and if we are submissive 
that you'll take our offerings no matter how pathetic and weak and you'll empower them and you'll do great things for your glory. Father, the world may never know our name. Oh, but you do. We may never do anything significant in the eyes of the world, but if we're obedient and submissive to you, Lord, you say that that great things have been done. Lord, we want you to be glorified. We want your name to be lifted up. So please take our humble submission and use it for your glory and honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead, please?